Hello and welcome to Masters of Divinity. I am your host, uh, co-host, moderator, uh, JP. And with me today, I've got Father Chuck. Hey. How's it going, buddy? Well, it's been pretty well. Uh, I uh, Pretty good. Pretty well. Uh, pretty good, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, I would say well, but it's all right. Okay. Well, it's been, it's been a long day. Um, I, I, I spent the day potty training my son, Charlie, my oldest son. And oh. um, that is a much more uh, stressful and traumatic experience than I expected it to be. <laughs> and I'm also here with Matt Wells. Hey. How's it going, man? What's up? Um, wonderful. Exciting. Fighting off scorpions today. It's good times. I, I heard you got into a fight with a scorpion. I and, did. Uh, did. Did you win this, this, this round? I won the war. You did? Yes. Okay. He, he's, he's smashed on our floor. Um, so he's done. But not after losing a battle and getting stung, <laughs> which was fun. Well, what's it like being stung by a scorpion? Like, do you just break out and rock me like a hurricane? Or... <laughs> <laughs> Here I am. <laughs> I take that as you a, like a hurricane. <laughs> I'm just letting him go with that. No, it's good. You go. should because this is the music episode of Masters of Divinity. We're going to talk about music, and because we are talking about music, we couldn't do that without our good friend Keelan O'Carroll, who is also here. Keelan. JP. Keelan. JP. I am so glad. Did my microphone just die? Hello. <laughs> Keelan, that falsetto broke a mic. Sorry. Keelan, uh, I'm glad you're here, buddy. Thanks, man. Good to be oh, here. Thanks, thanks for joining us. Uh, so, how was everybody's 4th of July? Did, did, we, did we celebrate America's birth properly? And when I say that, did you all watch 1776? You know, I, I, I told you, I promised you I'd watch it. Yeah. I looked for it. Uh-huh. On Netflix, on Amazon, and on Hulu, nowhere to be found. <laughs> it was on Turner Classic Movies at midnight. <laughs> I understand that, but remember, <laughs> I don't have cable. I, I understand. Yes, I know. Um, I know. It's it, it's a, it's a hard one to hunt, hunt down. It is. But it's it's interesting because I don't think I'd ever heard of that movie until you mentioned it, and then it yeah. was like all over my Twitter feed on Fourth <laughs> of July. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, but I, I did not watch it. I'm sorry, and but. Kana has seen it, and she was very down for trying to watch it. So we were, like, feverishly looking for for the movie, and we had oh, really? no luck. So, yeah. So if we had thought ahead, we probably would have, like, put it on our queue and had it, like, mailed to us. But We had a dramatic reading of the Declaration of Independence. We did. At least the first few lines. Really? Yeah. Keelan, Keelan came over to our house, and uh, Keelan and his wife and his son and, um, and all of my family. And uh, I, I, I read the opening part of the Declaration of Independence, like the intro, the preamble. Dramatically, right before is that, I, with hats. Is that, is with that hats. like is like reading the night the night before Christmas, like? Sure. <laughs> Everyone's gathered around while 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 Chuck is on a chair next to the fireplace reading the Declaration of Independence. There was there was a lot more like like uh, exasperated glances and like can we hurry this up kind of uh, <laughs> hand gestures. Uh, better like next year. Maybe it'll be more. Hey, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. (laughs) Matt, how was your, uh, 4th of July? Uh, it was good. We did the whole, went up to North Florida and, uh, did a lot of relaxing out in the middle of nowhere. Some four wheeler riding, some, Mm -hmm. uh, 
parties down at the spring, swimming in the freezing cold water. I saw some exercising of the Second Amendment. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was a BB gun, but yes, uh. <laughs> <laughs> some exercising of the. the uh, it still counts. The, the, the point um, the point five amendment. Oh. Yeah. They, yeah. <laughs> I want to I want to point out to our listeners uh, one of the great things about uh, Matt's property out in Branford is um, he his dad owns a Jeep. And um, it really it is the exact same year, model, and color as the Jeep used at the end of Terminator. Yep, yep. The one that Sarah Connor drives drives off into the sunset at the end when there is a storm coming. Yes, there's a storm coming. Bum bum So yeah, I I as as a huge movie nerd, that of course I freaked out over that. Um, Everyone else is probably like, okay, that's kind of weird that you know that. Well, and it was it was funny because the one time you went with me to Branford, it wasn't running. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hadn't gotten it into the shop yet, so you didn't even yeah. get to ride in it. But, <laughs> but that's the uh, what what Chuck is referring to is the picture of my wife climbing into the jeep holding the gun, so, doing her best, Sarah Connor. Yes, she she was, and and we almost never left Branford because I, I love her that much more for it. <laughs> Well, I gotta say, nothing says America like Sarah Connor. Hey, hey, sideburns. How you doing there, Father Chuck? I, I thought I was Duke. Ah, uh, Duke. How you doing, Duke? Ah, uh, Duke. I'm, I'm all right. I'm all right, sideburns. I'm glad you made it. Made a reappearance. Um, I'm glad I'm here too. Some people would say I'm 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 stretching it with my appearance. <laughs> maybe I'm maybe I'm beating a dead horse. But sideburns doesn't beat horses. Too majestic. You know what I mean? <laughs> I just wanted to say I like your I like your boy's style. Thanks. Thanks, sideburns. Much obliged. Anyway, so we are going to talk about music. Um a very broad subject. <laughs> uh but I, I guess the best way we can start this off is um well, first we should point out that Keelan is a musician, correct? Yes. And was, uh, was, was yeah. man, 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 don't stop believing in yourself. Maybe another like seventeen the, years. I feel it's like a journey song coming. Exactly. <laughs> That's what this episode is going to be about. Don't stop believing. Um, Streetlights. Keelan, People. Keelan, a musician. Chuck, you two were in a band in college. Yes, we were. And the name of that band was Pedro Bustamante. Pedro Bustamante. And you guys put on some cool shows. We did. Yeah. Um, Everyone had a good time. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It is. And how would you describe um, your band? What was the kind of music you played, the genre? Do we want to say just rock? Or is there like, you know, personally, I, I felt a sort of bluesy almost kind of indie vibe yeah i think there's a bluesy indie vibe i mean i i'm obviously um as i mentioned a few times i was much more of a punk rock person so very for me like I, which I, I felt like was more the the rhythm guitarist in the band um we were two guitars that's what we were we were two mm-hmm. guitars and then a nebulous concept of a drummer <laughs> um and um um so like I played rhythm, which I think was very simple power chordy type stuff, but maybe with like more bluesy classic rock timing. Yeah. Keelan's our lead. 
a um, lot more theatrics. We we were really big on making sure that rock and roll was fun because yeah. I think at the time it was being very it was way too serious. Yeah. Um, we, it was kind of that was the the, uh, the height of emo, right? And so there were a lot of e- yeah emo and Nickelback were duking it out if I remember That's, at the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we wanted to liven it up a little bit, make it a little more fun, mm-hmm. a little more uh, involved. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was just a a good rock and roll. Where, where did you get the name Pedro Bustamante? So the name Pedro Bustamante <laughs> came from um, our friend Ryan. Um, he So Ryan is like blonde hair, blonde curly hair, blue eyed. And he had been in a class and he had told me, so there's this, this girl that I had made friends with and he knew her as well. And um, I guess like they had been like study partners or something. Yeah. Anyway, when I mentioned this girl to him, um, it was um, my, it was our, it was our um, sophomore year of college. Um, he was like, oh yeah, her. He's like, she, she thought my name was Pedro Bustamante for like a year. And I was like, <laughs> wait, what? Like you look nothing like a Pedro Bustamante. And he explained that apparently instead of just like asking someone like who he was, she sort of looked at a seating chart and kind of judged like where he was sitting or something and determined that he was Pedro Bustamante. So there was an actual student that we went to school with at some point named Pedro Bustamante. Keelan and I both thought the name was just a wonderful name. Like, that's gonna be our that's gonna be our band name. Um, though Keelan, I will say to Keelan's credit, he fought very hard for what band name did you want us to be? I wanted to be Uncle Jesse and the Rippers. He wanted to be Uncle Jesse <laughs> and the Rippers. He fought very passionately for that name. And you know, and you know, I think it would have worked then because this is this is before everyone was super nostalgic and and hipster. The hipster thing wasn't really a thing just yet. I think it would have worked, um, but. I, I do love Pedro Bustamante. Bustamante, it's, good name, good name. And what made it great was we finally got a hold of an old yearbook, and we like looked for looked for Pedro Bustamante. <laughs> and if Pedro Bustamante is listening to this podcast, I'm sorry for what I have to say, but Pedro Bustamante was one of the most awkward looking kids that I'd ever seen, <laughs> and it just made it all that much better. I remember we, you showing me a picture. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Yeah, yeah. And you, JP, were our super fan. You, you own the only Pedro Bustamante t-shirt. I do. I do. I made it myself. Yep. <laughs> um, because I remember you had an idea for fan swag. Yep. Uh, the male t-shirts were going to say, I am Pedro Bustamante. The female ones could have said it too. And the female ones were going to say, I'm dating Pedro Bustamante. Oh, that's right. That's right. Super <laughs> sexist. But <laughs> fun. Hey, we were we were quite woke then. <laughs> woke uh but uh, uh, uh surprise surprise i couldn't find a girl to wear the i'm dating pedro Bustamante t-shirt it's like story of my life uh but definitely story of my college life yeah um, <laughs> um but yeah i i still have it i still have the shirt but what's funny though is that it was a it was a ringer shirt so it was like a white t-shirt with blue rings on mm-hmm. it so it looked like the vote for Pedro shirt that was popular when Napoleon Dynamite came out. Right. So when I yeah. wore that shirt, whenever I wore that shirt, people were like, "Ah, oh, Napoleon Dynamite. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to talk real quick about how much I loved our first show. And that was the show where you unveiled the shirt, the whole thing. Keelan and I, we went and um, so we did Battle of the Bands at PBA. 
So Keelan and I, we had to audition for our position in Battle of the Band. So um, we didn't have our drummer with us, or we didn't want to haul like a bunch of equipment with us. We decided it would be real quick. So we, we took two acoustic guitars with us, and we, we played a cover of um, Third Eye Blind's Motorcycle Drive-By. <laughs> and uh, um, I guess because of that, the, the people who were sort of like vetting and put, play, like putting everyone everywhere, they thought that we were an acoustic act. So they set us in the midst of all of these like acoustic guitar praise and worship like Christian groups, <laughs> and I remember the sound of the crowd because it was like everyone was like really ready for this thing to ramp up. Like they were getting really bored with like yet another person singing some kind of like churchy of song with an acoustic guitar, and so we plugged in, and my amp was already too loud, and <laughs> the the distortion was on really high, and so I strummed it, and you heard like a. <laughs> <laughs> and like the crowd was already like yes, like it was a perfect icebreaker, and then so we exploded with this original song that we wrote, um, and just like it was the most thrilling experience to be honest. People respond to our music, to hear people cheer us playing. Keelan started with his back to the to the to the audience. We turned, I had all kinds of theatrics. I like shot him with my guitar, yes. then we resurrected him back to life with music. <laughs> Um, and then, which you have video of this, JP. I do, I do. I need to find it. And and then, um, and then we got done and the crowd was wild. And then right after us was some other like acoustic solo Christian band. It was just like, I felt so bad for that kid after us. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and then a couple years later we did another battle of the bands, but we expanded the band. We added more to, we added a bassist, um, another guitarist, so we had three guitars and a drum. So we were Pedro Bustamante, who was Keelan and I, and the Smoking Guns, which was the rest of the band. And at that concert, Keelan, what did you do, Keelan? Oh, I, uh, I climbed on top of a piano and stomped on the keys. It was awesome. And, uh, As you do. Yeah, like you do. And broke some of the keys. And the guy who played after us next wasn't too happy about that. Because he needed the piano. Sorry, Michael. <laughs> oh, but funny. the best part was I remember, like, Keelan goes, and he's and he's wearing, like, motorcycle boots. And he's, like, stomping on the thing. But he runs his foot along the keys to get that ring sound. And one of the black keys just shears right off. And just goes <laughs> flying into the audience. And the guy's like, I needed that key. <laughs> like, that was, like, apparently, like, his, like, root chord was based around that key. Um, hey, man, rock takes no prisoners. Exactly, man. We didn't care. That was, That's that was, amazing. Uh, that was a finger on the trigger, right? That was a song? Mm-hmm. Finger on our trigger? Yeah. yeah. We, might, is, we might do that later. We might do that later. We're, we we nice. brought guitars with us. Perfect. Of course so you did. You guys might get to hear some um, impromptu um, jam sesh, little acoustic jam. Yeah, we, we, which Keel and I long said that if we ever did an acoustic album as Pedro Bustamante, it'd be entitled "Oh Natural." <laughs> oh, I can't wait! So I'm so excited. An "Oh Natural" session. Uh, and Matt, I I'm assuming you'll be singing. No, you'll Matt will not. Will will not be singing. <laughs> <laughs> I will be listening joyfully. That's great. Nice. Well, can we can we talk about rock music? No. Why not? Matt wants to talk about Matt wants to talk about country now since he's like just recently back from just from North Florida. <laughs> I told well, you it comes you and goes in waves. This week was a wave, but we're we're over it. We're home. We're back. <laughs> country music. <laughs> we can talk about country music. We, we can talk about all of it. We, we should talk about to. as it's much okay. as. <laughs> well, I want to ask you guys something about rock. Yes. Is it dead? Hmm. But that's a Keelan question. Hmm. Keelan, is rock music dead? I think it's definitely in a coma. Recently, we've we've had, uh, you know, the White Stripes. Um, they, they brought something different. 
yeah, I think we're we're in kind of a rut. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's a few bands on the fringes out there. Um, Royal Blood is one that comes to mind. Um, uh, but but nobody kind of in the big mainstream that's really doing anything. I mean, right you've now. always got Dave Grohl, who's kind of like. He's like the Highlander of rock music, right? Like yeah. he's he's the last. <laughs> I think aren't they uh, retiring after this last album and tour? I, I think I heard whispering of that, but I don't really believe him. I don't know. They, they, <laughs> all these guys say that, right? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah there, there's not a whole lot of uh, original rock out right. there. Not not a whole lot of people doing something specific or, or outside of the box. Do you think that means? That somewhere down the line, next year, two years, three years, decade, or whatever, that there will be like a Nirvana-sized explosion of rock music. Like uh, someone will come onto the scene and totally change things up. Or are we? Does that not exist anymore? Uh, that's that's a good question. I think where we're at now is a, a very different place. You know, we had um, hipsters for a while. Now it's it's much more of the the millennials or kind of coming of age and they're um very kind of scattered into different niches and yeah um it's kind of funny because I, I see like the evolution of the millennials kind of mirroring the evolution of the boomers how their taste in music has gone from like really cool you know a lot of 90s alternative and grunge is good good music and then it just gets kind of lame yeah i <laughs> i've been thinking about this a little bit myself and like what's interesting to me i guess is that I can't think of any any musical style now that will offend anyone. I feel like that's kind of key in this. That there's nothing anymore like the, the the commercial aspect of music is able to embrace kind of everything. Like we've become, I don't want to sound, but we've become kind of hedonistic in a lot of our society, and so because of that, there's just nothing that's really like confrontational or offensive. I mean. I can't think of a music like like when Nirvana came on the scene like that was like a that was like a, a such a quantum shift you know because the the rock music of the time had been you know stadium rock you know right. um, hair metal you know mm-hmm. really really um, produced music yeah. and to have these three kids from Seattle come in with their you know thrift store guitars right um, and it just like. You know, I remember hearing like a, watching a documentary once, and they said that once that drum kick of Teen Spirit kicked in, you were hearing music change forever. Yeah, like a, an entire like suddenly a decade was defined with one with one drum kick, um, and but I just can't think of anything right now that offends people like that that's shocking that seems like that you know the, the, to me the only thing that's really interesting music like where you see you see some of the most interesting music happening is in pop weirdly enough but even then like it just sort of is able to be embraced by the corporate mindset and so like it just sort of absorbs everything i feel like everyone has a meltdown whenever beyonce does something new i don't know if that means it's offensive like i mean i don't know if you guys noticed that like this that that lemonade thing that came out i haven't really seen it yet but i feel like i don't know there's like this weird meltdown that goes on in the culture where it's like a mixture of like hate and like annoyance and also like super excited i don't know yeah i don't know i mean 
I'm I'm the, I'm the wrong person to talk about Beyonce because I am not a fan of Beyonce. You're not a fan of Bay? No, I'm not. You don't I'm like not. Bay? I don't get it. I'll just be honest. I don't get it. I know that that probably like makes me some kind of racist or something sexist. Racist, racist and know. sexist, my friend. I just I don't get it. I try listening to Beyonce and I just I just don't get it. And I to be honest, I feel like most people are into her because of the hype that surrounds her. I don't think anyone like really actually likes her, hmm. like music wise. Um, hmm. but. I mean, I just haven't heard anything from her that I'm thinking like, oh yeah, that's a landmark change. Like, oh, I've never heard anything like that before. Like, it just but, yeah, I, you always hear people talk about her, right? And what she's doing or what she's wearing or right, what's going on, rather than you know, the actual music aspect right. of her. Uh, Kanye seems kind of offensive, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, Kanye, I could see that. I could actually see that. But at the same time, I feel like the thing that people get offended by anymore, if 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 we get offended. It's not the it's not message. Amazing. It's just he's stupid. <laughs> Why do you say he's stupid? Like that. So that that um, that famous video that just came out, or the, okay. the is it famous? Is that the name of famous? The one with like him and like the orgy, like the. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like listening to him talk about that and try to defend himself on that, it's like he sounds like a really pretentious like modern artist, but not really. Mm-hmm. Like he's in his own mind, and like it's like it just doesn't seem like actually genius. It sounds like he's just dumb and doesn't and just tone deaf and unaware of what people are saying about what he does. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think people that you either love him or hate him. You know, there's no real in between, and um, he, he is he is very cocky, um, and I think some people see that and like and, and are kind of drawn to that and and that pushes other people away um and and i think the difference between that and you know rock and roll of years past is that yeah rock and rollers were cocky but they weren't out there telling people they're geniuses telling people they're the greatest other people were saying these guys are geniuses these guys are the greatest well maybe maybe gene simmons well I think he'd... he's a hack. <laughs> but again, would you say that Kiss is like landmark, like transformative mutant? No. no, their music. No, I think maybe their shows are. Yeah, and that's. I mean, and I guess like when I talk about offensiveness stuff, like I think I think we have that like when it comes to like visual media. Yeah. Like so, a music video can be really offensive, or like a movie, like movie content, or like what somebody does in like a stage performance or whatever. But I think like the actual sound of music itself, right? Like, you know, people were so offended by jazz when jazz first came out because it emphasized the drum beat so much, and it was like this is not right. And then you know, rock music had the same kind of thing. And to be honest, you know, when you look at the early criticisms of rock and you kind of parse through the language, you realize it's actually racist because rock music is black music. Hmm. Um, and um, it was black music popularized by um, by 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 a hillbilly named Elvis Presley. <laughs> I was waiting for Matt to give me the smirk. Um, <laughs> and like, I don't uh, disagree, but I still love Elvis. Uh, but I don't disagree with you <laughs> on the history side of it. Yeah, I, I can't. Dis- we're gonna keep going. Keep going. <laughs> but yeah, but like, so I think like I think there's still potential within the world of rap for there to be something really like offensive. And like, I think so too. For, but like. But, like, one of the things I'm, I'm kind of interested in, and this is a complete side trail, and I apologize because the idea just popped into my head, is I was thinking okay. about, like, black people making, like, rock or metal. That's still something you don't see all the time. And, like, one of the best metal acts that I have ever heard is Living Color. 
Right. Um, you know, um, Cult of Personality is still like, what a hard hitting, amazing song. And then there's that band. I don't know, JP, if you remember the name of them, but they were on Colbert and a few other things. But they're like, they're like teenage, like it's like three black boys, like teenagers, and they're and they started a metal band like at like eleven. What were they called? I totally forgot they were called, but they're uh, they're 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 yeah. incredible. They are really awesome. I saw the I saw them on on YouTube when they when they were like first discovered, I guess, because they were playing in I think like Times Square. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, amazing act. Um, can I make a can I make a controversial comment as sure. someone who who kind of claims to be sort of a neophyte when it comes to music? I I sort of see Kanye West as uh, Kurt Cobain if he hadn't killed himself. Like he just stayed around too long? (laughs) (laughs) In a way, yeah. Because I actually, if you, you know, you guys knew me in college. I was like, I I worshipped the ground that Kurt Cobain walked on. And, you know, I wore my Nirvana t-shirts and like only listened to Nirvana for like maybe a whole year. (laughs) I read, so I read a lot of interviews with him and stuff. And at the time he trashed everybody. Oh yeah. Everybody. Like, and you know, there's, there's the infamous, uh, um, you know, Guns N' Roses (laughs) kerfuffle, if you want to call it a (laughs) kerfuffle. The, the Nirvana Guns N' Roses kerfuffle <laughs> at the uh, MTV Music Awards 1992, um, I think. Those were the days. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when I think they got he got into like a, a shouting match with Axl Rose, as you do. And then uh, Dave Grohl called out Axl, and then they destroyed the stage. Um, I, 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 and when Kanye, like, you know, when he... Uh, what was his latest thing? Not, not not the Taylor Swift thing. I don't think I don't think Kurt would do that. That's a if he had if he hadn't killed himself, he probably would. But the the one where Kanye approached the guy from um, was it Beck? I think yeah, him, yeah. him and Beck have a have a thing going right now. Yeah, I could see Kurt Cobain doing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, you know I, I I I just and my point is I do think hip hop is sort of like the new. Um, kind of the new trailblazer is sort of taking the place of rock. Yeah, I, the thing about hip hop for me, and and I think what Kanye is doing is sort of like he's he's the one that's sort of trailblazing it, as crazy and as weird and as stupid as he is. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and who knows? He could be like operating on a completely different plane than all of us, you know. <laughs> but like the thing about hip hop, I feel like when I if I listen to like N.W.A. from the '90s, yeah. Like I can see like the punk rock element to that, and it's funny because to listen to like listen to it and realize how offended white people got over this, it just did not get the joke, right? Right? Like they're they're celebrating all this stuff. Like no, they're actually kind of talking about this is what life is like, and but at the same time, it's kind of a joke. Like there, it's there's there's a very sophisticated humor going on in this. But like thinking about like good proper middle class people getting so offended by this music, like I can see the kind of punk rock element to that. But I can't think of anyone who's doing that now within the rap world. Like, it's all very, like, studio. It's very, like, produced. It's very, like, commercial. Mm-hmm. I just can't think of – I can't think of too many people that are doing, like, edgy, you know, stuff. Like, I don't hear too many stories about, like, oh, yo, you heard that, that – you know, I got a hold of this, like, underground mixtape from so-and-so. Um, Prophets of Rage. Have you seen that? No. It's the, the members of Rage Against the Machine minus Zach De La Rocha. With uh, um, a, a, a member of Cypress Hill Ooh. and a member, really? of, it might 
beefed somebody from NWA. Okay. And they're, they've gotten together and they're um, about to go on, on tour. Hmm. Huh. Yeah. I checked that out. Oh, that sounds awesome. Matt, who's your favorite hip hop artist? <laughs> uh, after Top the con- five. After Top. the country kick, you want to go with hip hop artist. That's interesting. Just take MC Camera. Vanilla know, Ice. Vanilla Ice. No, I know you're a big fan of Tyler. Tyler the Tyler the Creator. That's that's the guy. That's Tyler the Creator. Is with um. That's the group I'm thinking of. Is it New Futures? I think there's a time you said you're really into Two Life Crew. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what you guys are talking about right now. That's just, it's just sad. It's, it is. <laughs> well, it's kind of funny, right? How talking about rock kind of segues itself naturally into hip hop. They've always been kind of at, at odds with each other. At least the fans are. I mean, I don't think the artists hate each other. They've always been kind of like, I, I think, like yeah, to understand. The, the music ebbs and flows. It, uh, you know, rock and roll came out of rhythm and blues. Right. And um, I think in the, you know, the, 80s and 90s morphed into this new thing called hip hop or rap. Yeah. You know, a lot of the the rap artists sampled so many rock songs and then added beats to them and rapped them. So, yeah. well, it's no coincidence that the Beastie Boys began life as a punk rock band and then I know. became a rap group. Yeah. My probably my fa- one of my favorite hip hop groups. One of my favorite groups period. Love the Beastie Boys. My one of my favorite artists. I'll just say that. Yeah. Beastie Boys. Can I say my favorite rapper is probably um, a guy by the name of Dan Harmon? <laughs> Can I go with that? <laughs> I love his freestyle beats. His freestyle, man. Don't mess with it. <laughs> I have to say, after I started listening to, to Harmontown and Dan Harmon with his freestyling, I, I tried to do some freestyling myself. Yeah, I stopped him quickly. <laughs> and you're all welcome. <laughs> I, I, and, you know, I, I tried doing it with uh, with Keelan and, and Chuck once because yeah. we were helping Keelan move and we were, in, we were all three of us, like, were huddle into a u-haul and i started playing some some beats on my phone i was like okay go 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 and i was really surprised that neither of you could freestyle <laughs> no i mean we're in the process of moving to be, to be fair um the other is um i don't know if you know this jp but um we are oh so white so hey the thug life chooses you <laughs> Don't use, you don't choose the thug life. That's true. We did, but Keelan and I both did grow up in Pine Hill, so we should be, <laughs> it should be in our blood. Uh, and, uh, that just let the folks at home know that is not uh, signaling that we we're going to try freestyling. That would be disastrous. Yeah, would, yeah it's not going to happen. <laughs> we don't want to lose followers. <laughs> in this yeah. If we're going to lose them, let's lose it over something that matters, not really bad freestyle rapping. <laughs> uh, that JP guy just had a freestyle about envelopes for some reason. I don't know. Envelopes and anime. <laughs> it was weird. <laughs> you guys ever encounter those people that say, like, I like all music except for hip-hop and country? I've been one of those people. <laughs> yep. I've, en- I've encountered them once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, I think... What you're saying, check that how how interesting pop music can be. Um, I think you're right. I think pop music can be transformative. I think it can be very interesting. I don't think it has to be rock or hip hop. And I think some some pop groups were very ahead of their time and were ridiculed because they were uh, mostly favored by young teen girls. Here comes. Here I'm comes, of course. Here comes Insync. I am of course boys. talking about Insync. Uh, actually, plays <laughs> suck, but Insync is where it's at. Um, <laughs> Are you going to put the video on this one? Please put the video on. I don't have the video. I have the video. Matt has the video. Okay, good. <laughs> I don't wow. know if Keelan's ever seen the video. No. The two of them 
with so your friends doing an in sync uh, <laughs> lip sync thing in their high school gym. Oh, JP, that was actually That's awesome. the PBA. You've lost so much street cred right now. No, no, I think I've gained cred. <laughs> you know, Hey, I, here, here's what I think is hilarious. One of the members from that became a huge, huge influence in, in R&B and somehow gained all sorts of street cred. And, and that's that's Justin Timberlake. How did he go from Mickey Mouse Club and NSYNC to Justin Timberlake? I'll tell you the moment when it happened. Britney Spears? Nope. Nope. <laughs> the moment that it happened was um, first solo album came out, and I think he won... He won like either single of the year or video of the year or something like that at at um at, uh, at MTV or whatever. It might have been Crimea River, but he was up against Johnny River or Johnny Rivers. Jeez, Johnny Cash's ha- um, hurt. Ah, oh. and when he he won, um, John, Justin Timberlake won, and when he took the mic, he said, "I don't deserve this." He says he he gave all the credit to Johnny Cash. Um, for that, um, I think it was just before Johnny Cash had died too. So yeah. he gave like all the credit for that, and I think th- that's the moment where everyone realized that Timberlake had more going on than just like being a pop dude. That he actually really knew what he was doing. And then he performed um, shortly thereafter. I remember, like, I think Keelan and I were watching one of those like Grammys or something, and like mm-hmm. you saw him actually playing his own instruments and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's when it was like, oh, JT's got uh, got a little something going on. Well, yeah, just and then he did that song with Pharrell, and that that didn't hurt. <laughs> I think <laughs> Justin really proved uh, to be a very entertaining um, performer. Yep. Not not just music, um, uh, but also comedy. On SNL, he is a favorite host. Oh, yeah. Everyone, everyone loves it when he hosts SNL. Lonely Island. <laughs> exactly. Uh, he's just an all-around great entertainer. And I don't think it could be possible without uh, the group NSYNC. So you're saying um, that InSync was necessary? Like he he they supported him because what are the rest of them doing? Nothing. Well, they retired. So Joey Fatone, Joey on a Fatone progressive was on, commercial the other day. Uh, and I just <laughs> I just saw him uh, in my big fat Greek wedding too. <laughs> Again, nothing. Well, I mean, yeah, you, you, you know, two's defense of InSync <laughs> band members is one of my favorite things in our conversations. I don't defend the band Listen. members. I defend the band back in the day. First of all, they're not a band. <laughs> It's a boy band. Uh, they, no, no, they don't no, play no, I don't care what the term is. It is inaccurate. Um, hold on a second. But they did why, all play. Are they they hold just on a did second. it in shows. They didn't play why, very stuff live in the shows. Why Why are they not a band? Because, because they, they don't, don't play, play instruments. instruments. I have a question. They're all vocalists. They sing and dance I have around. a question. Okay. Is the voice not an instrument? Ooh. The, the voice is oh. an instrument, but <laughs> no, not... play it. Like, when you sign up for band... They hand you like a drum or a clarinet. If we're, you want to sing, by high school rules. What's that? If you want to <laughs> sing, they put you in chorus. It's not gonna. That's not. We're not going to talk about the imperialist rules of high school, like the hierarchies of of high school band. Like, hey, raise no. your hands in this podcast if you're actually in a band. Okay, that's right. No, mm. you're not. I was a. Uh... In the in the in the praise band in high school, does that count? Fine, that'll count. <laughs> I'll count that. Did you play an instrument? Count it. Um, I don't refer to myself as being able to play guitar. Other people's <laughs> other people would say yes, but if you heard me play, I would say no. Okay. I did not play an instrument. I held one and it made noise. 
Nice. I actually had somebody come over once when I was in high school, and they this guy started playing my guitar at the house. I legitimately didn't know my guitar could sound like that. I thought, I thought like I just had a cheap guitar, and he started playing. I was like, "Wow, it really is me." That that Sears Harmony guitar can sound like that. That's awesome. <laughs> that first act. Well, I hit you with something, but it's all true. <laughs> listen, listen. I'm not being ironic when I'm defending NSYNC here, okay? I know you're not, and that's what makes this all the more glorious. And if, if, you, if you listen to NSYNC, I mean, really listen to them. They're, they're a talented group. I mean, they, if you listen to them sing, like, a cappella, it's beautiful. It's, it's a thing of beauty. Look, that, I, won't, I won't lie, JP. I won't lie that there was, I remember, a moment um, in, the early, in, or in the late 90s, early 2000s, late 90s, I think it was. I was driving. I remember distinctly where I was. I was on the East-West Expressway in Orlando. And I was driving to my ex-girlfriend's house, and I was flipping through the radio, and I landed on XL 106.7. Uh, that was today's hits in Orlando. <laughs> I remember, yeah. And I remember hearing this great little acoustic, like, finger-picking number, and I was like, oh, that's not bad. What is this? And I listened, I listened, and it was um, I Want It That Way by NSYNC. I thought, you know what? That's not a bad song. Is it really that's, not a bad song? That's Backstreet Boys, you jerk. <laughs> okay. Okay, so whatever. I, I, have, to, I have to say... Um, <laughs> you should care. Actually, boys to, suck. Etsy is awesome. I have to say that I'm I'm getting a huge kick out of this moment right now, because in high school, um, I was I was a big fan of NSYNC, a huge fan, um, much to the uh, being made fun of by others and things said about me that I would not repeat. And I'm glad to say that today those kind of jokes would be um, those people would be the idiots anyway by now, um, but. I drug JP into this somehow, um, and I'm getting a huge kick out of the fact that I'm sitting here listening to him defend and <laughs> sing to you, and I'm letting him sound like the guy who is look, totally into boy bands when it, it was all my fault back in the day. <laughs> look, I know that you're being unironic in this, key, uh, JP, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put myself out here and acknowledge the fact that I have had, and Keelan will verify my really poor music taste at various times <laughs> in my life. Like this is not poor music taste. This <laughs> <laughs> thing is good. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, All right. And that's what I think is funny is this is that this is what going back to the Justin Timberlake conversation. This is what I think is hilarious. He is doing nothing today that NSYNC wouldn't have been if it stuck around. That's the way they were changing the record that came out. Um, what was the the, the, the final ref- record? With was pop it, uh, on it. This pop. is adorable, guys. This is adorable. <laughs> but it, they were moving toward that anyway. But he branched off on his own and did it. And now he is widely accepted. Everybody says that he's like changing the game um, when it's the same music. It really is. If they had stuck around, they'd be doing the exact same thing. I really don't Let's, think so. Okay, hold on. You know what? No Strings Attached is a wonderful album. <laughs> there is so much depth. <laughs> the, the, the no strings attached is about how so, they celebrity was the, the album wasn't it celebrity by the way celebrity. No, i think that was the justin timberlake album wasn't it uh, i think that's the final instinct oh my gosh guys okay J- JP, let's JP, move on. If, if it makes you feel any better <laughs> last year driving down the road flipping through the radio oh gosh come across the song i'm like all right i i, I yeah, this, this sounds good. If this is Hanson uh-huh. or something, we're gonna have to hurt yeah. you again. And, and so, <laughs> I'm just driving along, song ends, the DJ comes back on, like, yeah, that was the latest from Justin. T- or, no, sorry, from uh, Justin Bieber. And I'm like, what? 
<laughs> really? No, that must have been a mistake. And then a few days later, I'm driving down the road. I hear another song come on the radio. I'm like, yeah, this, this is pretty good. Pull up to a red light. <laughs> DJ comes on. Another hit from Justin Bieber. <laughs> what is going on with me? <laughs> no. So um, that's that's about how I feel about Katy Perry, actually. I, I I'm unabashed in my adoration for Katy Perry. You so. went to you went to a Katy Perry concert, I didn't did. you? He did. I did last really summer. Did. Yeah. You went without no, me, you jerk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a Katy cat. <laughs> he loves him. He loves him some Katy Perry. Yeah. So who doesn't really? Yeah. Maybe well, I'm a firework, you know? <laughs> well, NSYNC's pop is transformative. Give it a listen. Anyway, so it's... <laughs> I, I want to talk about... Um... You want to talk about... Can we, can we talk about... Uh, can we talk about Limp Bizkit? <laughs> Limp, you know what? Um, last year when Furious 7 came out, uh, for some reason, I just started listening to Limp Bizkit again. Oh, God. And it was... Um, it was dangerous, is what it was. I put those. I put that. I put those days behind me. There was a time where I listened to Limp Bizkit. I listened to Corn. Yeah, totally. Um, me too. Orgy. Um, Rammstein. Did, did, did you call in to get Corn's Freak on Freak on a Leash on uh, TRL's number one spot? I never. I, totally I, did. I never called TRL because <laughs> I really hated Carson Daly. <laughs> really, really disliked that man. <laughs> well, I called in just because I wanted to see Corn beat in sync so bad. Oh, wait, hold on. Whoa, what? <laughs> Listen, I went through two phases in high school, okay? Two phases. <laughs> We're learning so much about JP today. This is like the episode where I talked about Godzilla. We're learning so much about JP. <laughs> Freshman and sophomore was totally just corn and, and limp biscuit, like you said, Chuck. And then junior and senior, oh, this is just NSYNC, Britney Spears, Backstreet <laughs> Boys. That's quite a leap. That is quite a leap. Was there was there a girl involved? Were you like really into a girl and you changed? Um, because I think hey, that's girl? What it was, that was what it was for me. So, <laughs> shut up, Matt. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. <laughs> All right, sorry, JP. I jumped in. What were you? You were wanting to talk about something. I could fill in the holes I, for you, I, but I won't do it on the recording for JP's sake. <laughs> yeah, I do. I'm getting tired of being judged for loving NSYNC. Um, so I want to ask you guys. Individually, I don't want to take up too much time though. Uh, the famous question in the movie High Fidelity is uh, top five desert island albums. You're meaning f- the five albums you would take if you were stranded on a desert island? You can, yes, these are the last five you can ever listen to. Jeez. All right, you can't oh, live man. without them. Are we going in a particular order? I see, I look, both of these guys have their phones out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, well, I'm not. I'm not as big a music guy as you. I've got to. I've got to look on the phone. Right. <laughs> well, I, I can start. And how many? Wait, let me ask this first. How many albums did NSYNC have? <laughs> <laughs> see, let's see. There's the Christmas album. I think that counts as one. There's <laughs> the one. I, the, self-titled NSYNC. Self-titled NSYNC album. Yeah, and then no there was attached. No Strings Attached. Celebrity. And then there was Pop. Pop. And the Christmas album. You can't forget the Christmas album. That's and then that one that McDonald's gave away with them and Britney Spears. The, the one they oh, gave that's away. right. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Man, this is great. <laughs> All right. 
So JP, since you clearly have spent the day writing your albums down, which are the, which ones are they? A day? Like the last week, sir. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you put us all on the spot, but you do homework. Number five. In sync pop. <laughs> okay. Transformative. I'm telling you. Number four. Nirvana's Nevermind. Okay. Uh, is it? Wait, wait, quick, quick question. Is this any yeah. kind of particular ranking, or is this just five albums? Um, just five albums. Just okay. Five, yeah. You can rank them if you want. Oh, I'm fine with that. I was just you curious if you were doing any ranking, because if you were going to rank Nirvana number four, I was going to be pretty surprised by that. But Yeah, well, Nirvana's number four. Okay. Uh, number three, I'm going to go with – it's kind of it's kind of cheating. It was um, uh, the Walk the Line soundtrack. Okay. Hmm. All right. Interesting because it's it's you know, Reese Witherspoon and Joaquin Phoenix had to actually re-record the music, mm-hmm. the song sung by Johnny Cash and um, what's what's June Carter? June Carter Cash's music, yeah, and they did it. They they were incredible. They were great. So um, that's on my that's on there. Uh, number two, I'm going to go with um, I had a Pixies album. I forgot which one. Surfer Rosa? That's the one with um, Where Is My Mind? Sir, the one that had... Um, um, Monkey Gone to Heaven? I think it was also off that one. No, the, not, no, the one with um, The Baser. I know Surfer Rosa is their most famous album. Surfer Rosa is great, um, but I really like The Baser. But I'll, I'll put... Uh, you know what? I'm going to throw Surfer Rosa on there. Well, Oh, you're talking about the song... De, okay, I thought you were saying the song was The Baser. Is the album also The Baser? No, no the song is The Baser. I don't know oh, if okay. At the moment, okay. I forgot. Number one album is, um, I don't know, anything by the Ramones. Okay. Yeah, that's me. That, that's my top five. That's your top five? Okay. Um, I clearly by someone who's like, sucks in music, but. Okay, I think I've got my five. Okay, go ahead. Um, um, I, I would think that um, one of which would be, I'm going to go with um, the Beastie Boys Sound of, Sounds of Science. Sucks. Really, JP? This is what we're going to do? <laughs> Sound of Science is a compilation album of multiple Beastie Boys tracks, so it is, it's an anthology, so it's very good. Um, I would is it like to, the best of, or is it just like... Kind of, kind of also an anthology, plus it has their song Alive on it, which is my favorite Beastie Boys song. Okay. Um, I would then probably say um, MXPX's Let It Happen. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Pep Squad's No Doy. It is an obscure Christian band. It is one of my favorite records of all time. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with um, the B-52 self-titled debut album. Nice. Yeah. Yes, yes. It's got Rock Lobster on it and Planet Claire. I had like a a week-long obsession with the B-52s last year (laughs) because I found a whole bunch of rare live performances of them. And I was like like in awe because it was like before they were famous. It's like all in black and white and stuff. It was incredible. And I guess my last one is going to be the hardest one because there's a whole bunch of albums that I'm like – like I'm trying to think of what I've listened to the most in my life. Oh, oh, I have to. I would have to say, um, probably Guster on Ice. Nice. Their live album because I really love. So my favorite band of all time is Guster for our listeners, <laughs> um, and their live album is very good. Um, it also has a DVD with it. It's called Guster on Ice. Um, their live show is incredible. Go check them out. I think those are my five albums. Did we figure out if Guster was the same band as Gus? Uh, no, I forgot to look that up. Oh. Because they had that one song on the Scream soundtrack that I really like. It's uh, actually a cover of the uh, Don't Fear the Reaper. But it's like really slow. 
Have to, it's cool. I can look that up right now. Well, these guys are on their smartphones like yeah. millennials. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to go next? Who's ready to go next? I'm guessing that's me, <laughs> judging by the looks I'm getting. <laughs> um, well, when you asked the question, I think I, I, I thought of songs more than the entire albums, but it still worked with the albums because I thought of five songs that I couldn't live without for the most part. Okay. Um, so the the first album would be the the Smashing Pumpkins rarities and B sides. Very nice, yeah. Because of the beginning is the end is the beginning. Yes. Um, the from the Batman and Robin soundtrack. The other, um, yeah. Uh-huh. The other is the uh, Jars of Clay from the studio from the stage. Because um, of Worlds Apart, the ten minute live version. Um, the the next two I'm sure will start a fun discussion from Father Chuck here, but um, the Beatles Revolver because nice. of Eleanor Rigby. That's a great um, And John Lennon's Imagine, and then the final one would be the Sing the Sing Street soundtrack because uh, every song on that is unbelievably incredible. It really is. I actually I listened to that album this week mm-hmm. because I saw Begin Again. Mm-hmm. Yes. Finally watched it again, again. It oh, was really good. Finally watched it. Good. Yeah. Yeah. You want to talk about music movies? There you go. Yeah. Uh, Anything by that again. guy, John Carney. Good choice, man. I especially love the Revolver. That's uh, that's that's a choice album. Actually, I didn't know about that album until Chuck told me to listen to it. When I was like, Hey, Chuck, I want to listen to good Beatles music. What should I listen to? You're like Revolver. Revolver. It's a good Beatles album. Yeah. Now you want to talk about them being overrated and, and such? Or? <laughs> um, How about actually, Keelan first? <laughs> I actually, I, walk, I know we got to get to Keelan here, but I will say that I do have, I've had some shifting opinions about John Lennon over the years. Mm. Question. Yeah. Do we include greatest hits albums or no? Yeah, it's just sure. five albums. You, sure, you yeah, that's okay. fine. Uh, so I think I would do The Darkness, Permission to Land. Oh, so good. <laughs> I love, I, Keelan... I love your 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 fanboyishness towards the darkness. It well, is it is so wonderful and genuine. One of and the I, most I'm, entertaining moments in my life was watching you at karaoke <laughs> sing, <laughs> sing the darkness um, and get in trouble for swinging the mic around. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> you and Chuck went to a darkness concert and you actually strummed the guy's guitar. He really did. He, he really did. It was awesome. He was walking on this bar area and uh, it's like climbed up and it was within reach so i just started playing that's amazing i love it this honestly one of the best live shows I've oh yeah to. it was just <laughs> very cool fun and engaging and mm-hmm. everything rock and roll should be yeah very yeah. true continue keelan uh third eye blind Ooh, nice uh that it's the sound of the 90s I mean, uh, I agree, especially if you lived in Orlando, because I feel like I listen. I feel like I heard Third Eye Blind all the time on 106.7 and 103.1. They were they were everywhere. <laughs> uh, the the Once soundtrack by the Swell Season. Nice. Enhanced uh, and Marquetta Irglova. I just want to point out that Once and Sing Street both made our list. <laughs> then directed by the same filmmaker, John Carney. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's great. how great this guy. Yeah, oh, that's great. Yeah, great movies. Incredible. Sorry, Keelan. Go ahead. You uh, two greatest hits. The first, the first section. Um, I think it's uh, eighty to ninety. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's when YouTube was really cool. Yeah. In the height. 
Uh, and then Queen Greatest Hits Volume One. I feel like I could have I, I could have told you guys like what Keelan's top five was. Like <laughs> this this is this is so Keelan. Although I, we should once... we should have played a game of like oh. guessing each other's. Yeah. <laughs> but that that is so you, Keelan. That is so you. I love it. I think out of I... all of us. Like it's predictable, but I, I but I mean that in like a good way, yeah. you know. <laughs> there are a lot of second place runner ups. Yeah, uh, get some ties maybe. Katy Perry didn't make quite make the list, but she's she's up there. <laughs> yeah, so you'd be with Counting Crows, August, and everything after. Although once surprised me, the one soundtrack just because I wouldn't yeah. guess that one for you. Oh, it didn't but... surprise me at all. Yeah, that's I, I I love either good acoustic music. Um, or straight up rock and roll, right? Yeah. Uh, a little surprise, Coldplay didn't make the list. The, it was a runner-up. <laughs> um, there were several albums to choose from, so uh, yeah, yeah. Keelan, did you see Sing Street? I have not. Oh man, you got to see it. But, uh, it's on I the think list. you would love it. As soon as it comes out on Redbox. <laughs> yeah, I think I also think you'd probably like Begin Again. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, I've been meaning to look that up. That's on Netflix. Yeah. If you have Netflix, yeah. that was Great. um, who's it? Adam Levine's in that, and uh, right, Mark Ruffalo, Mark Ruffalo, and Mark Ruffalo, Kira Knightley. Yeah, and James uh, Corden, <laughs> which I was thought unsurprising. <laughs> well, that's cool. Uh, bringing up the the one soundtrack and the sing the Sing Street soundtrack. Uh, Chuck, you said you you wanted to talk about like music movies. Yeah, why not? Not necessarily musicals. Right. Um, what do you mean by music movies? Do you mean like Sing Street? Do you mean like Once? Do you mean like Almost Famous? famous yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. High Fidelity. Uh-huh. Um, um, the uh, the Made for TV uh, Beach Boys biopic. I don't know. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> the uh, John Carpenter directed uh, biopic of Elvis. Yeah. Sorry, Kurt Russell. Right. Um, you know, it's not good. Walk the Line. I heard yeah. it again. Did you hear it again? Okay. Uh, walk the Line. Um, you know, also. Can I, I just give a quick mention to my well, well? We'll talk about it more, so I'll talk about favorite stuff later. But yeah, yeah, those kind of movies. Yeah. Can I just point out? Have you have? have I know Matt just recently saw High Fidelity. You guys have seen High Fidelity, right? No, I've not no. seen it. Oh my gosh, you guys would love it. I know it's been on my list for years. It's on Netflix, right, Matt? I I honestly don't remember if I saw it on Netflix or the HBO oh. app. I, so I don't know. I don't Is know the answer to that. Hell's yes. box office. What yeah. What I will tell you is, I hit play on it. And about five, I'm being totally honest about, you know, like the, it starts off as it's going. I'm like, really, JP, you're going on and on about this movie. Um, and by the end of it, I was like, really, JP, you let me go this long without seeing this movie. Um, <laughs> but it's just it's a journey you have to take. Yeah. Did you see Love and Mercy? No. Is, is that, that the Paul Wilson? Dano Beach Boys movie with yeah, Jackie's? Brian Wilson, uh, John Dano and uh, Paul Dano or Paul Dano and John Cusack. No, um, I haven't seen that one yet, no, but I, I do want to see it. You guys have seen it? No, it was good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't quite care for John Cusack as Brian Will- as the older Brian Wilson. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought they could have picked somebody else, but uh, he did a but, decent job. But Paul Dano probably good. Paul went. Dano was great, yeah. 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 Like he Paul doesn't Dano. hold back, that Paul yeah. Dano. Yeah. <laughs> He's a good actor. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about Almost Famous. I love that movie. <laughs> that is that is a stellar movie. That is one of my all-time favorite films. I showed it to Matt and his wife for the first time last year. 
really yeah. just last year. I, I feel like that I've was never seen it. Cameron Crowe's peak. Yes, right? I agree. Right? Mm-hmm. I think so too. Um, and yeah. this is like how it I also do like Elizabeth Town though. Yeah, I mean, I, I, when I when I first saw Elizabeth Town, uh, I really liked it, but I didn't start loving it until they started playing Freebird at the wedding, because I thought that was a great scene. Um, I haven't visited, revisited lately, but this is how like musically like illiterate I am when it comes to just music and bands and stuff. Like I had no idea. And I've been using this joke for years that, um, like, um, Lester bangs, like I want to become Lester bangs one day. I always thought I was referring to almost famous. I had no idea Lester bangs was a real person. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Famous, uh, famous, uh, editor of Rolling Stone. Yes, famous editor, Rolling Stone, famous music critic, music journalist. Um, but great film. Um, I don't know. Well, here's a, here's a question for you guys. Do you think Penny Lane in that movie is the uh, is a manic pixie dream girl? Part of me wants to say yes, but she's kind of the main character of the movie. Yeah, I could see that. Um, so I don't know if she fits because... Well, no, I, you know, she she carries a lot of the, um, the aesthetic of the, manic, of the manic pixie dream girl. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't serve the purpose of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl, which is um, to sort of prop up the male characters. I feel like she has a lot of agency on her own. Yeah, I think Penny Lane, I think that she did kind of prop up, like, Russell and um, Will. And um, because at the end, like, she kind of brought them together so that he could write a legitimate story. Um, But also at the end... She goes to Morocco, which is like her dream. Right. right. Yeah. So it's kind of like the manic pixie dream girl done right. Yeah, I guess. Maybe do you, do you think we should define what, what we mean by manic pixie dream girl for our listeners, for those who might not know what that is? Like me? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> or for okay. our, one of our co-hosts who's Matt. Chuck, who what, Chuck what is the manic pixie dream girl? Since you're so good at articulating things. As I tonight. understand the Manic Pixie Dream Girl is that she is um, the stereotypical quirky girl um, who some kind of male protagonist in an indie film falls in love with. Um, she is just a collection of quirks. She is Zoe Deschanel. Um, <laughs> who's in the movie. Who's in the movie, but not, as, movie, a, but not, not as, as... Yeah. Um, but she is just a collection of quirks in, that tends to... Um, inspire the male character to let loose and to just let life happen um, and and all that. And she winds up kind of being the reward for him following through. So like, like Natalie Portman in Garden State. Natalie like Portman in Garden, Garden State, State is the perfect I was getting ready to say, role. don't interrupt me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Matt. She is perfect. She is the perfect Manny Pixie just Dream Girl. Um, throw my moment out the window. Also, Zoe Deschanel. Just... <laughs> In She's reality, in reality, Pixie Dream Girl. That's funny, um, but 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 I love her, so shut up. Uh, <laughs> um, I won't get into my whole feelings about her. Um, but Penny Lane, Penny Lane is a great character. She is a great character. Oh, yeah. Very well written. Yep, it's a great um, movie. Somewhat autobiographical, although I think he might be lying about uh, the groupies taking his virginity. <laughs> right, probably. <laughs> <clears throat> nice try. Um, <laughs> so, um, Billy Crudup as Russell Hammond. Amazing performance. Yes. Right? And Jason Lee as uh, 
I don't know that other dude. <laughs> 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 that's and that. I mean, that's Jason Lee. Sorry, effing lead um, singer. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, with appearance by Mark Maron. Oh, who's Mark Maron in that movie? He plays the uh, the the scene where Stillwater gets electrocuted, and they get into the bus and they're driving away. He's like chasing them on the on the on the golf cart. Oh uh, yeah 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 nice. And yeah. Phil- well, and Jimmy Fallon is in that movie. Jimmy Fallon. That's true. And Philip Seymour Hoffman. And well, Philip yes. Seymour, yes. Lester Bangs. Eric yeah. Stone Street. Yeah. What a great actors. Um, God, I love I love Philip Seymour Hoffman's Lester Bangs, and like in my mind, JP, I was thinking that this episode would be like that scene in the movie where Lester Bangs is talking to the radio DJ, and he's just like grabbing records off the like and just wall, throwing and flinging them. them, and he like puts on like uh, Iggy Pop or something. Yeah, the students. Um, yeah. Um, was it? Uh, he played. Uh, he actually plays the Ramones, I think. But oh, I thought he played like "Be My Dog" or whatever. My dog, the the dog song. Uh, maybe. <laughs> I could have sworn he put on music enthusiast, but I don't know. Maybe. Does 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 Garden State count as a as a music movie? Oh man! Only because that I remember when we were all at PBA, that movie took our campus by storm with its soundtrack. It's a soundtrack. It's not a music movie though. Right. It's a movie. The soundtrack, I think, drastically surpassed the movie in popularity. Um, but the movie's not about music. But, it, but the music does play an important thematic role. It does, but it's not about music. Like, right. what I mean by that is Once, Begin Again, and Sing Street are specifically about music. The importance of music. Right. And they life. also have incredible soundtracks. Well, but they're specifically about music. Yeah. It's talking about how music um, shapes and influences all of life. Well, Garden State has that scene, though, where Matt Natalie Portman um, sticks the headphones on Zach Braff's character and makes him listen to the shins. And she says it'll like, change his life or whatever. But and, like, Keelan and I have had an interesting conversation about that scene after we saw it because that shin song. Um, plays in one of our favorite surfing videos, which is a movie called Shelter. And um, I remember, like, we, when we, that, that song's like the credit song or whatever, and, like, we have, like, a very particular emotional connection to it through surfing. And so when we heard it in that movie, we were both like, I wonder how other people hear this song. Because, like, in our heads, like, we think of it particularly related to Shelter, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But to hear it outside of the context was... Bit Very, odd. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> wait a minute, you you don't know this. You're not allowed to know this. You guys are posers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So we'll probably maybe Garden State, maybe an honorable mention. Maybe we'll give it that. Uh, I think it. I would. I would think I would agree with Matt actually. Yeah, because I, right. I think I think it is a movie that had a huge influence on music more than it was a movie about music's influence on right. on us. I think the movie, if anything, it was too much of a music movie for its own good, and that I didn't walk away from it going, oh, that was great, the music from... But you became obsessed with the soundtrack. Right. Yeah. Um, whereas these movies, the ones I think of, I walked away from them going, I need to drastically up the, the, the type of music I'm listening to and how often I'm listening to music. Like um, Sing Street... You watch that movie, it's like, I need to go out and redo my whole understanding of music from, like, the ground up. Like, yeah. I need to start over. <laughs> what about yeah. um, what about Tron Legacy? <laughs> it's just, 
It's a it's 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 a really long music video, right? I mean, so I don't think music videos or music <laughs> movies are the same thing, Chuck. <laughs> hey, that soundtrack's amazing. It's 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 good. It is really good. <laughs> Ironically, Sing Street does a great has a great scene talking about music videos, kind of the birth of music videos. Yeah, it has a great scene about that. I thought you were going to say it's something great about Tron. (laughs) I was like, I don't remember them talking about Tron. something incredible about Tron. (laughs) (laughs) So good. I would have to say, though, I think one of my favorite um, music movies is um, Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story. (laughs) It's a very funny movie. I've only seen it once. It is is one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. And also... (laughs) Equally celebrates music, and the final song is actually pretty good. Yeah, as a song. Yep. Well, Keelan, I know "Almost Famous" is probably your favorite. Yeah, I would say so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what is it about "Almost Famous" that speaks to you as a musician? Uh, it's, it's an original, original story, and you know, right. it's it's semi autobiographical. Um, the, the the music in it. It ranges. There's classic rock uh, hits um, from Led Zeppelin and um, Elton John and and others, and then there's original music, which is almost just as good. Well, the, um, there's like there's that one Stillwater song that plays that is like really awesome. Um, that like yeah, yeah. there's a, a all of all of the music in that was. Um, Written by Peter Frampton and some other people. Really, uh, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, so which which you know lends huh. to to that. So um, no, it's just it's a great story. It, it, it's just fun. You can watch it over and over again. And, right. Uh, and I, I kind of feel like the movie has sort of its own like thesis statement um, because it uh, there's that one question that. William keeps trying to ask everybody in the band and like everyone keeps avoiding him until finally he gets to ask at the end of the movie. Um, what was that again? <laughs> was it, what does, well, it was, what do you love about music? Hmm. Right. That was mm-hmm. the question. Yeah, right? yeah. And he asked it several times and nobody and answers. Started, well, uh, right. Um, uh, Jason Lee's character is talking about like, and the chicks are cool. And, <laughs> um, you know, he's trying to give a very rock and roll answer. Um, yeah, he, he he doesn't get it uh, kind of until the, the very end, um, right. when uh, Billy Crudup's character shows up at his house yeah. after everything's kind of fallen apart and they've split ways and uh, you know gives him the just the real deal. He just says everything. <laughs> yeah. To me, that kind of sums up the movie, don't you think? Yeah. Like that's sort of what it's about. I, I I have another music movie that that I that I personally love. Spinal Tap, uh, and I won't. And that thing Tap you do. Not, that no. thing. You know, these are great movies. Those are I love both of those movies actually. <laughs> um, but yeah, High Fidelity is like one of my all time favorite movies, definitely, uh, because I relate so much to John Cusack's character. Like John Cusack's character, but like take out music and replace it with movies. That's JP. Like, for better or worse, warts and all that. It's really is. Um, but there's another movie that means a lot to me. And I, th- and, I, and I think it counts. I think it counts. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. 
Uh, I could see it. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of music in that movie. Yeah. Yeah, Scott Pilgrim's in a band, and they have all original music. Written by Beck. Written by Beck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, yeah, and uh, I mean, his band plays a central role in that movie. The, his role as a bassist plays a, a central role in that movie. Yeah. It's a really good movie. It is good. And the whole movie's about... Uh, you seen that yet, Keelan? I have not. I've seen a few oh. clips from it on TV, but what? I've never seen it from start to end now. <laughs> what? No. I'm ashamed right I, now. I thought, I thought we forced you to watch all the Edgar <laughs> Wright movies, Keelan. <laughs> I mean, Shame. It's also equally a video game movie. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that movie is just like a like a pop culture movie, like in general. Like, and according to the canon, it's the best live action version of an anime film ever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they said the cuts and stuff are um, the only time they got away with the anime style of editing in a live action yeah. movie. It's true. But that's just that just goes to show Edgar Wright's like a master filmmaker, um, but I love the music in that movie. Uh, especially, there's a song by Metric. That's actually how I discovered the band Metric, Canadian band with a female vocalist. Have you, you guys no. heard Metric? Mm-hmm. Oh, great stuff. Good, good music. Um, see, see, right now I'm just really into baby metal. I was going to say, I've been hearing a lot about this baby metal. I never really looked into it, but I always assumed it was exactly what it says it is. Like, I always, I thought it was like a kid's bop, but with like metal. And then I posted the video. Yeah. And it's like a weird Japanese thing. Yes. <laughs> it's like in sync with girls. So it's like, I don't know, um, like you're Spice not allowed, Girls. You're not allowed to speak me. the name in sync. You've, you've shamed them for an hour now. They're like from my town. All right. <laughs> But, like, uh, it's, like, yeah, it's, like, a pop girl vocalist group with, like, Slayer in the background. Really? Oh, that, yeah, 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 okay. I remember now. That's kind of cool. It's very weird. No, but it's I, Japanese. I see... Which also means it's Japanese. Yeah. I, I'm seeing a trend. Like I'm seeing a trend with what, we, what we're calling music movies. Because we, we, we all agree that musicals are not music movies. Because we're not talking about a musical where people sing and there's music in it. We're talking about movies that are about... The impact or influence of music. Yeah, um, though I'd say once blurs the line. Uh, a little bit, but his all of his movies do that in the sense that they have a performance section of it, but the performance section plays a key role in the story, and it's usually once is more straightforward. His other movies, it's usually more of a um, it's a fantasy scene. It's not mm. actually occurring. It's what the character in the movie is seeing happen in their head is usually the key performance piece of his movies um and begin again mark ruffalo is watching the song produce itself so the instruments are moving on its own um and playing the the fill-in parts that he's saying uh in sing street there is an incredible throwback to back to the future um and a music music video style section of that movie um, but what I'm seeing is music movies are coming-of-age stories. Even High Fidelity, which is an older guy who's living on his own and doesn't seem to be the typical coming-of-age, is all about him in a coming-of-age story. It's reflective, the whole it, movie. Yeah, it's, it's him. It's diving him into his past. Grow, yeah, but it, it's, and it's him growing up and moving mm-hmm. forward. It just took him to when he was an, an adult to get there. But I think that that speaks about music itself that what is inseparable about music is how it is something that journeys through you in life 
and there's songs that push you to the next stage in life, and there's songs that become the soundtrack to a section of your life. Um, kind of like uh, JP and myself in NSYNC. Um, they, it becomes like a soundtrack to the couple years of your life that you can go back to. Yeah, and then there's yeah. those underlying currents that they become almost like a an unforeseen force that you're basing kind of the pattern of your life on is this music that's kind of traveling there with you. And those would be the songs that really um, hit home, stick with you. They'd be your top five albums. They're the ones that are traveling there no matter what's going on. You can go back to those and remember why you're you're at where you're at. It's kind of like the power of what music does as an art form. And I think the movies that really hit that are kind of a coming-of-age story, in a mm-hmm. sense. Although Once and Begin Again, those are odd, odd to hit on, because those are almost about music coming of age more mm-hmm. than it is about the characters coming of age. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really about the music's... Begin again. You know, you know what I think is interesting about uh, John Carney's movies. Once, begin again, Sing Street. I haven't seen Once in a really long time, like since it first came out. So I'm not sure if I'm if I'm if I'm uh, hitting, hitting the nail on the head with this. But um, I feel like John Carney uses music as sort of like salvation in his movies. Hmm. You know, Begin Again is a very redemptive story, and Sing Street is all about basically music like saves these two kids' lives. Like they're able to go and, you know, get out of this like cyclical lifestyle because of the music. Yeah, and once is the protagonist is this depressed dude who's coming off of a bad breakup, um, working at his dad's vacuum cleaner repair shop, sort of heshing for you know, playing music on the street for money, and mm-hmm. then he cuts an album and he decides to head to the States, right? That's like his right. thing. He's like, yeah, it, 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 the whole time you think he's gonna end up with this girl that he's playing and making music with, and then at the very end they spoiler alert, they end up uh, going their separate ways, she goes back to um, Croatia. Her, her husband or um, the, the baby's father in Czech Republic, and he goes to Czech London Republic. to find um, you know, his, uh, his, his ex um, to reconnect. So. Also, I have to right. admit, I, I had to watch that movie with subtitles on because the accent is missing 90% <laughs> it's of it's what they're saying. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a bunch of efforts. And <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and you know that's actually something I'm <laughs> I'm still working on my Sing Street review. I'm I'm actually writing a lot about art as uh, salvation, not so much in the spiritual sense, but actually literally. I think you know there's this argument that can be made, and um, by people that do consume art on a regular basis, whether it be music or movies or TV shows, uh, the argument that art is not important, or the art is not important in the same way that, um, you know, um, the police are important or uh, firefighters are important or, I don't know, civil servants are important. because And it's because it's not, you know, solving world hunger. You know, you're not saving someone from a burning house. You know, you're not fighting crime with music. You're not... We are the world, know. JP. We are the world. <laughs> um, but ultimately, I think that art... Music as well, I think it saves the life of the artist. I don't think an artist can live without creating art. Yeah. To me, I, I see that in like movies like Sing Street and, and Joe Carney's, John Carney's movies. So. Well, I'll, I'll tell a story if it's all right. Um, sure, It's kind of, it's a personal story. Um, I, um, music, music, it was one song that actually inspired me to make a huge change in my life. And that was the song Kath by Des- Death Cab for Cutie. Okay. Um, it, I 
Death Cab's, I can't remember which album it is right now, but um, that album came out during my first year when I was in seminary, um, 2008. Um, I was in a long-term relationship that was on the rocks, kind of going back and forth, which you guys all know about. And um, the song Kath is about, it's about a wedding, and it's about settling. Um, it's the story of somebody of a woman walking down the aisle and sort of settling and and all of that. And just that the, the, the language of that made me realize, like, I don't want to settle, and I don't think I should make her have to settle either. We're not happy with each other. And so after I listened to that song, I, I I called I called my significant other and I ended our, our ended our relationship. It just brought out some like, nascent stuff that was already there. So it wasn't like I was like, you know, like that son of Sam or something like listening to a music like listening to songs and being like, yes, I will go do this thing. But it was like it, it painted a picture of what my life could very well be, if I didn't make a change. And so I made a change, and it's all the better for that. So mm-hmm. music does save. I, I can I can speak personally directly to that. When I compare my life now to the life I was in, like in college, or even a little bit after college, those were times when I was really into music. I was listening to a lot of music, not, probably not great music because you know the the running gag is JP sucks when it comes to music. But there are times when like music wasn't a part of my life, where I wasn't listening to it all the time, and I kind of feel like life was richer. And I kind of feel like music sort of lends itself to, like, the forward progression of one's life. Do you guys feel that maybe your, your life is more enriched and maybe more lively if music is part of your day-to-day life? I'm, I'm, I would especially like to know what Keelan thinks about that. Uh, I mean, is, is music part of your day-to-day life, Keelan? Because I have to ask because you're a musician. No. And, uh, five years ago, I probably would have said most definitely. Yeah. Um, but now I'm... Uh, that I'm in a different stage. Um, you know, it, it's not so much uh, part of my day to day. Every now and then I'll you know play some music at work or whatnot. But um, more and more, I, I'm coming just to enjoy uh, quiet. Okay. And, and, and simplicity and just uh, to be able to focus um, rather than trying to distract myself. Stuff. Well, you have a child. Yes, so I, I was I, gonna I, say, kids, <laughs> kids move you to this new place where quiet is the, yeah. the most sought-after thing ever. Yeah, <laughs> that makes total sense to me. <laughs> yeah, it's just I, you know, I used, to, I think, I, I think with this a little bit, like I used to for years, like fifteen years of my life or whatever. Um, I went to bed every night with headphones on, listening to music, and like I used to listen to albums over and over and over again. And like I was, you know, I think every now and then I'll be driving, and I'm like, when did that? When was the last time I did that? Like, when was the last time I really like, like I would lay in bed. I remember like, and I would like listen for different instrument parts in songs. Like I did that to uh, the Blink One Eighty Two self-titled album, like a lot. It's an excellent record. Um, like parsing together like what different instruments were, and like figuring out like oh they they had a studio musician in this one because this is a different you know and just like doing all those kinds of like things and like just really digesting a piece of music, um, and now same kind of thing like I have kids, um, I don't do that I don't you know I listen to music while I'm driving, and it's really hard for me to like. <laughs> really no. parse it out and then I'm going to be moving somewhere where I'm living on campus with my church so I won't even have the drive, the commute to listen to music so I don't know what I'm going to do mm. but and you have kids so you're lucky if you go to bed at all much right. less like <laughs> yeah. you're listening to anything yeah there's that yeah <laughs> well um, I think we've had a very good music episode um, I think we should jam alright I think Pedro Bustamante yeah. should uh, make a comeback
Yeah. Pedro Bustamante. Did that work? Was that all right? No, no that was awesome. <laughs> hey, rock might be dead in the rest of the world, but I'm Masters of Divinity. It is very much alive. I feel like I should follow up with some piano and some, like, God of Wonders. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, uh, that was Lady on My Arm. Um, that was the first song we ever played. It was Pedro Bustamante. It's probably the first yeah. time we've played it uh, in, what, like, 10 years? Yeah. <laughs> It's amazing. Like ah, so. Who needs awesome. practice? So you can tell a little bit that uh, that it was a little... Forget a few lyrics here and there, and a few <laughs> chords yeah. here and there. So. Do you happen to remember um, Finger on the Trigger? I don't remember it, so you might have to do this one solo. Okay. Let's see here. Well, uh, that was incredible, you guys. Uh, I think our listeners are definitely going to love it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to do one more. Uh, what, was, what was that last song called that you guys just did? So that was Lady on My Arm. It was Lady on My Arm. And this, one, this next one's called? Finger on the Trigger. Finger on the Trigger. Okay. Uh, but before we go, uh, real quick, uh, Father Charles, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me at Twitter at, um, Father, at FRCharlesB. Um, also at my church's website, chapelsta.org. You can listen to my sermons. Um, and occasionally I blog there. So those are the okay. two places to hear me. Uh, Matt? Do you want to plug where they can find you, or do we just should we just plug the uh, usual? You can find all my stuff on thematwells.com, but the uh, the usual works better right now uh, for okay. the Masters of Divinity on uh, Twitter. It's mod underscore podcast on Instagram, same thing. On Facebook, Masters of Divinity. Our website, themastersofdivinity.com. And start writing us, commenting, uh, asking questions, giving us ideas for episodes because we need them. And Absolutely. subscribe and like and review. Great. Keelan, where can people find you online if you want them to find you? I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm on the face space. <laughs> the face At space. Keyboard Warrior. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um... Facebook and Twitter at uh, Keelan underscore O'Carroll, K-E-E-L-A-N underscore O-C-A-R-R-O-L-L. Great. Awesome. And you can find me on Twitter at NSYNCFan2002. <laughs> I will be representing this week. No, I'm serious. That's going to be my, that's what it's going to be. If you want to find me, that's what it is. You're going to get it. <laughs> All right. Uh, Pedro Bustamante, take us out.
Thanks, Lance Sit. Bass. Good journey. Good journey. Good journey. Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> <laughs>